Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. been thinking lately i had it was a pretty heavy therapy week and had some situation with clients that reminded me of my own recovery journey uh in one specific area and those listening if you looked at the title of this podcast can i ever go back to porn we steve and i already know that this probably elicited some some alarms some concerns some like what are they doing that the answer to that should be obvious I wonder how many angry emails we'll get before this by the time by the time this this airs. I know. <laughs> so we just want to be clear. We we gave it that title. I guess one to to kind of elicit some strong emotion, um, just because this is such a raw and real part of recovery as well as betrayal trauma healing. Yeah. This kind of thought, you know, this kind of question comes up a lot as we're working with clients, both, you know, both husbands and wives. And mm-hmm. so I just wanted to, you know, talk about it for a second from my vantage point. So in my early recovery, I really wrestled with this. And it was, it was the idea of, will I ever be able to be a normal guy again? Mm. How long do I have to keep doing these recovery things? How long do I have to, you know, keep adhering to these what my brain said back then, these ridiculous boundaries and restrictions. Yeah. Right? Like, can I ever, can I ever go to a, a movie that has a sex scene in it and be mm. okay and not have my wife freak out sitting next to me? Um, you know, when can I just start doing normal stuff? Do I have yeah. to always think about, you know, when I come, when it comes to physical intimacy in my marriage, do I have, always have to be aware of where my thoughts are and where's my intention coming from? <laughs> Why can't I just be a normal guy? Mm, right. So there yeah. was some resentment in that. But also, I think, as I look back, there was also some shame. I can't ever be a normal guy because I'm broken. 
I'm yeah. just a, a loser, perverted guy, and I'll never be able to be like those other guys that I see that don't have to deal with these kinds of things. Yeah, they can just go, they can go operate a normal life, and they don't have to worry about this because they're normal, healthy, good, right, worthy, evolved. Yeah. But here am I, here I am stuck with all this stuff. Yeah, that's that desire, that quest for wanting to be normal, I think is inherent to all of us. And, you know, we all want to be able to fit in. We all want to, life is complicated, life is hard, and, it, and it, it's always more difficult when we find ourselves outlying in some area. Right? Yeah, outliers. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know. It's, it's sometimes I struggle with, I, I wonder for whatever reason, if God decided I need to, my life need to be one big outlier. I, uh, <laughs> I had cancer twice already as a kid when about, uh, what was it? 10, 10 years ago, I got, I was diagnosed with diabetes. Mm. I uh, went to the doctor for just like a weekly checkup and felt fine. Like things were great. They take my blood, they do the whole panel thing, you know, because of my my background, I do a little bit more of an extensive physical. Take my blood, they leave for a little bit. Doctor comes back white as a sheet. Oh, shoot. And he just looks at me and he said, and he just really calmly says, so how do you feel right now? <laughs> and I looked at him and I looked at my wife and I was like, I feel fine. And he said, well, it has to be type two diabetes then. And then he proceeded to share with me that my blood sugar was like 525 points. Oh my gosh. When it should be around a hundred. <laughs> wow. And he said, the only way you're sitting here is because your body has become acclimated to that, mm. which we'll talk about a little bit more here. And I remember after that driving home with my wife, it really just hit on a trigger for me because I'd, I'd kind of dealt with this since my childhood, both with cancer and then with a dad dying. I mean, I just, I just, I just want to be normal. You know, I didn't want to be the kid who didn't have a dad at campouts. I didn't want to be the bald kid at school. Like I didn't want to do any of those things. And now here I've got this stupid diagnosis that's telling me, basically telling me that anything that you enjoy, Steve, to eat, anything delicious, say goodbye to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> those things all go away. Right. And and I called my mom on the phone and I just started sobbing. And I just said, I mean, I'm 20 what 25 27 whatever at this point i just started sobbing i said mom i just i just want to be normal mm, you know that's yeah. that's what i want i just want to be normal and i'm tired of not being normal so that makes a lot of sense we all we are are wanting that but you know we you know us addicts if we kind of apply that to this our you know our stories here to that and and mark going back to your story we are we all have become very very desensitized i think to the direness of our situation as addicts yeah for sure you know we we're, we're so in it in those dark addiction years that we don't know what's on the other side we don't know what else there is that's been the whole normal it's all we've ever and known that is our normal right and yeah. before we started today you brought up a great analogy right this wandering in the desert Right. We mm. were, were in our addiction. We were like guys that were that were wandering out in the, the, the connection desert, I guess you could call it. Just yeah. starved for connection, connection to uh, to others, to our higher selves, to to our higher power, uh, being seen, being affirmed, being loved, being OK. This whole connection um, drought and we're out in this desert just dying of connection thirst, so to speak. Yeah, and we we settle for coming upon an occasional animal trough. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> or like a mud hole or a mud hole that we sort of fall in our bellies and 
slurp the muddy water and get sort of satisfied. But then one day we come upon this oasis, mm -hmm. this beautiful, amazing oasis. And we're like, whoa, that's, that's connection. That's this life without addiction. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I, I have this, I have a really personal experience about that. So we have a local diner here. You can go in and get an $8 <laughs> steak. Steak's a steak. I mean, you know, so whatever, whatever price, what does it matter? It's meat. It's cow. It's cow. <laughs> and one of my, one of my sons told me about this, you know, this hundred dollar steak place. You know, it's five star crazy. He says, dad, you, you, you don't know. You don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. You have to experience. I'm like, give me a break. I'm eight bucks or a hundred bucks. You're nuts. No way. They can't, there can't be that much difference. Well, he took me there for a surprise on my birthday with me, my wife and I. And I remember, I will, I will never forget this. I'm sitting at the table. This sizzling piece of meat comes, this filet, filet mignon that's like six inches thick, sizzling. And I could tell the smell. I'm like, what is that smell? And I took my first bite and I just, I froze. And I looked over at him and my jaw dropped and my eyes were as big as, you know, silver dollars. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you, you under, you understated it. And this music in my head, ha ah, ha this celestial eyes, music is playing. Eyes rolling in the back of your <laughs> oh head. Oh my gosh, it was the most <laughs> unbelievable thing I've ever put in my mouth. And that's what this is like, right? For us. Yes. It's like once you've experienced that, do you ever want to go back to the $8 steak? Yeah. No, it's it's so true. I, I I mean I look back on on my addiction days. In fact, a couple of years ago, I remember distinctly I had an experience where, you know, uh, Mark and I have been sober a long time. I've I've been sober for coming up on seven years, and I I enjoy a life these days that is largely free of of triggers. Uh, but once in a while, you know, there kind of that perfect storm happens. You know, and it could be anything, right? You're feeling off emotionally that day and you know something just pops up on online or whatever the case was i can't remember what the what the what the trigger was itself but i remember after after coming across this trigger and this kind of set of circumstances for whatever reason it didn't pull me into a place of wanting to act out gratefully but it pulled me back into that old that old mindset Mm. that I has, had as an addict, right? Yep. Where I was objectifying things, not just sexually, but otherwise. It was this dark place of like shame and concealing my, I'm just going to try and explain this, concealing myself from my own feelings. Mm -hmm. Like I could feel that disconnection internally setting in where my brain was like numbing from itself, if that from makes it, sense. Yes, yes. Probably only makes sense to an addict, but <laughs> um, and I remember, I remember I, I went to my wife and I talked to her and I, you know, I hadn't done anything to bring this on, but I, I processed it with her. I talked to a sponsor. I went to bed that night and surrendered it, hoping that it was going to be, it would go away. And it was the first thing I was thinking about in the morning, like this darkness had just settled over for a couple of days. And I remember talking to my wife, almost emotional. I just said, I don't know how I used to live this way. Mm. Right. Like how did how did I do this for 20 years? I, 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 two days of this. And I just, I, I can't handle it. 
right? Yep, so true. So it's true. Because, it's I've resensitized, right? We we addicts when we go through this recovery process, just like when we get into our addiction, we we desensitize in a lot of ways, right? Our thinking errors become more pronounced and they and they start to settle in, denial minimizing all of those things. Um, we just get more acclimated to the chemical influx of the addiction, the emotional downside of it. And we do, we become super desensitized to it, but just like we can desensitize to things, we also resensitize to them. And even though what I, that was the irony, right? This experience that I'd had was comparatively small to the, to the sorts of activities, sadly, I would engage in with my addiction. But just going back to that world in that limited way was so toxic. It was unbearable, right? And I remember it was, even though it was awful, here's kind of the kicker. I remember thinking to myself, why would I, it was just another reminder, just like many I've had over the years of why in the world would I ever want to go back to that? Yeah. And I, you know, I've had a lot of clients talk to me about that, you know, over the years and I felt this way myself. So you're in recovery, you're, you're kind mm-hmm. of, you're doing pretty good, but then you're, you have this yearning to be normal again. And I used to ask questions like, well, can I ever go and, you know, see an R rated movie or a PG 13 yeah. or a whatever rating that's got a sex scene? Mm-hmm. What if it's not full frontal nudity? What if it's just sort of, you know, uh, subtle? Can I watch yeah. that? Um, can I ever masturbate again? You know, have self sex just because, I feel, you know, I just have this need to, you know, to do that because it's just overwhelming me. Can I ever, can I ever go back to that? And I had all these questions, right? Can I, can I, can I? And what I discovered through, well, I would call it painful trial and error, because let me tell you, I tested all those boundaries in my early recovery. Well, I'm doing good. So, you know what? I can go back to this. You know, I'm like the alcoholic that says, well, I can go have a beer. It's not a big deal. Sure. You know, or I can go to the bar and just drink a club and soda while all the other guys are drinking. And I'll be fine. Yeah, right? I can go have sex with my wife and I can fantasize a bit to spice it up. It, it, mm. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> sadly, I'm here to tell you it was a problem. Absolutely. And here's the here's the challenge with addiction is addiction completely rewires us neurologically. And all of those, all of you listening who are maybe in addiction now or in recovery, wherever you're at, just know addiction is just a massive change of the brain. And so it doesn't take much in our environment or our thought process or whatever it is to, to switch all that back on. Yeah. I like to say, yep, the Vegas strip has gone dark. I'm off on this. I built this other town over here. But it doesn't take much to to flip that master switch and the and the the, the Vegas lights come on right in full brilliance. Mm-hmm. Before I know it, I'm back in that place. Yeah. So I got to the I got to the space through through learning through sad experience. What what wasn't working? No, I can't go to the bar and have a beer. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, go see a movie that I know there's going to be a sex scene, but I'll be fine. I can just be neutral and it's just all artsy fartsy and it's not going to trigger <laughs> me at all. Well, it did. Cause yeah. then I'd go obsess over it and fantasize about it and find in a, you know, masturbation it might be okay for a moment, but then the next day I found myself headed back into that, back into that routine because of that experience. It yeah. reignited that addiction wiring. Mm-hmm. It came back on like, boom, there it all is. 
So I, I, I chose to start putting boundaries on myself, things mm, that I didn't yeah. want to participate in. So I had, so I started going online. If I wanted to go to a movie, I went to uh, websites that would show parents bad quote bad stuff that was in movies so they knew whether their kids would see it or not well i'm going mm. there to see if i should see it or not <laughs> mm, yeah that's just something i decided i needed to do um with regard to um masturbation self-sex i took it off the table because it i just it wasn't something i could manage it would yeah. always take me down the, the addiction track again um, physical intimacy with my wife. I took certain things off the table in the bedroom because they put me down that old track and I didn't want to go back to the desert. Yeah. I was so sick and tired of the famine of connection, of, of the shame, of the darkness, of how I felt about myself, how cold and selfish and absorbed I became, objectifying I became. I didn't want that anymore. I yeah. call it standing up for yourself. I find I was finally, I have a saying with my clients, hell question mark. No exclamation point. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going back there. I like who I'm becoming. I yeah. like this connection. I like this honesty and this, this, just this new life. I like it. Yeah. And I'm not willing to even risk it in any form. Because yeah. I want to go back and do some of those quote normal things. That's just a decision I came to. Yeah. Well, and and you know, I, I think that you know, we all have to face that no matter how long you've been in recovery, right? There's always, I tell clients often, there will always be two brain cells in the back of my brain somewhere that want to rub themselves together and say, geez, you know, promiscuous sex would just sound great today. You know, <laughs> of course. Like, like there'll always be that that part, right? But when it, when it comes back to it, what, what I always combat that with is I go back to a little bit of what we're going to do with the assignment here. And this may sound a little extreme for situations like that, but I just, I, I, I like overkill when it comes to recovery. I think it's a safer <laughs> approach. Um, you know, I, you have to kind of weigh out those, those pros and those cons, you know, going, finishing up the second half of my, of my story. So, you know, after I got this diabetes diagnosis, you know, I, I, I told my mom, you know, I just wish I could be normal. Well, I went ahead and I lived normal for the next like five years. In fact, I ate like more pizza. Like right. I had more like carb stuff. Like it was kind of my way, just like sort of just flipping off the universe to be candid with you. Just like I'm done being told that I'm the outlier again. Like, forget it. Yeah, I'll show you. I was not in active recovery these days. So now, <laughs> so I was still dealing with all my higher power God issues. So I was kind of flipping off heaven as much as I was anything else. But it was just like, you know, I'm not doing this. And then one day I started to feel tingling in the edges of my toes. Ooh. Right. And there would be days where I'd wake up and I'd feel just a little bit of numbness in my feet. Mm. And I knew what those were. Those are pre, those are symptoms that neuropathy is setting in because right. of the diabetes. And though, and at first I tried to deny them, but those effects started to be cumulative. And thankfully the two smart brain cells I had at the time said, maybe I need to do something <laughs> different. So I started exercising, started to lose weight. It was, it was a battle to get back, but and I still, it's still a struggle, but overall I live a pretty rigid style diet. There are certain things that with rare exception I will have and some other stuff that I just can't period. And that is and 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 that lifestyle right does come at a cost yes it does 
when I go, because the reality is, is I've had to conclude that I am not normal. I, I've, I, I, I used to call, I, I think I've referenced it on this podcast before. I used to feel like some sort of sexual crusader. Like picture the like the knight on Monty Python with the big cross on his like chainmail. I pictured like I was this sexual crusader running around on this quest for the holy grail of somehow having all the benefits of addiction and all the benefits of connection. Oh yeah, you can have both. Right? And just like with the addiction, I had to in this mindset, I had to put down my my crusader sword and just say that just doesn't exist. I can have one, right, with all of the pros and pros you know i can i can eat whatever i want and that's a lot of fun but it will come at a cost likewise i can choose this other lifestyle and it does come at a cost but it also comes with tremendous benefits and i've been able to include conclude that in that case just like with addiction right the benefits outweigh the cost in the case of diabetes no 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 raspberry filled powdered donut from a prominent company that recently went out of business and then came back, we won't mention it, which are like my favorite things, will ever be worth dying for. Right. Right? No acting out experience. There is not a, Mark and I say this with regret, we have acted out in many ways in many circumstances over the years that would probably trump most people listening here. And what I can tell you is that there is nothing out there that I have ever seen that could possibly compare speaking on this side of the coin, right? This side of the microphone, this side of recovery seven years in that could ever in a sane state of mind convince me to go back to that smut. No, ever. Way. No, it's, way. it's just, it's repulsive now, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. And our, the assignment we're going to leave you with is, you know, if you're, as you're listening, if you're wrestling with some of these questions, right? What, what can I do? What can't mm -hmm. I do? Am I ever going to be normal? You know, is, is this stuff that my wife's requesting of me, you know, is it reasonable? You know, do you feel resentment about it? Sit down and just do a pros and cons list. Yeah. What are the pros? What are the benefits so-called that your brain is telling you with regard to your addiction that you want to hold on to some of these things? What does that give you? And then on the other side, what does it, what does it take away from you? Yeah. You know, what are the, what are the, what are the negative consequences of that on the con side? And then once you've got that pros and cons list, right, addiction and recovery, and, and on the recovery side, the, the various boundaries, things that you're going to, quote, give up, mm -hmm. then I want you to do a third thing. What is the ideal life that you yearn for? The yeah. ideal you, the higher you. What is the mm -hmm. ideal relationship or relationships that you long for? Describe what that's like. Yeah. And then take that. And then compare it to your pros and cons list. Which one is going to get you closer to that ideal that you've now described for yourself? Yeah, do those line up? Yeah, do they line up? And then ask yourself, is the sacrifice worth it? Mm -hmm. Is what my, my wife is requesting, is it worth it? Am I yeah. willing to put that thing that I want to do to be normal on this, quote, sacrificial altar for the good of this wonderful connected relationship? Yeah. Worth it to me. Kind of, kind of circling around and finishing this up. We appreciate you guys all tuning in today. You know, if I answering kind of that the final answer to that question: Can I ever go back to porn or to any of these other these other discussions? I mean, my thinking is, is I doubt it. Right? I I don't know that for sure. I can tell you that in a decade of doing this personally or professionally, in twenty something years personally, I 
I've never seen it. Um, but the big, the big thing that I always, I always say with clients when we have this discussion is, but why in the world would I risk it? Going back to Mark's example, why would I go back to $8 steak? Why, why is it, what, what about that would be appealing now that I've tasted of the full benefits of recovery and the connection and everything that goes with it? Um, it's not that there won't always be that lingering taste, but, but why would I ever risk getting pulled back into that place? And that's the question that we all have yeah. to face in this process. Why would I go back to the connection desert? Yeah, absolutely. Why would I purposely do that? Yeah. But that's awesome. a decision for everyone to make. It's, it's very personal. Totally. And we're not trying to superimpose our, you know, autobiographies and say, this is the be all end all. It's for you to figure out. It's Absolutely. for you to really do some deep pondering and, and work on uh, as an individual and as a couple. So we invite you to do that. Awesome, guys. Hey, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you soon. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.